The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Good Friday. And it's good because God demonstrated his love for sinners in sending his son, King Jesus. Okay, He's not a little baby anymore. He's not a suffering servant anymore. He's king. He sent him as a suffering servant to give himself on behalf of sinners to demonstrate not only the love of God for the people he would save, but also to redeem us unto him, to reconcile us as fallen sinful men back into the Father. And for that, we should be eternally grateful. That's why the Sons of Liberty exist, to point people back to the Christ. With that said, if you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you head over to SonsLibertyMedia.com right now, you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, head over there, scroll down on the right side of the page. You will see that we're going live. You can see that the Facebook is fudging their numbers too. <laughs> and they are squashing us and they are doing everything that they can to restrict us, folks. So any of you guys who will share the, 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 the video here, please do so. Okay. You can overcome that. You can overcome the algorithms if we join together in numbers. Let their cruelty swell our ranks, right? Uh, We can push back against them. And we're not just on Facebook either. I'll tell you about some places in just a little bit. But if you go to the right side of the page, we are streaming live. Second video down. The video above that is Bradley's show from yesterday. And that will go live at 3 p.m. Eastern, okay? So if you want to catch Bradley... And uh, you haven't heard him. Maybe you're listening by Red State Talk Radio. You haven't heard Bradley Dean. Trust me, Bradley takes scripture and interweaves it with whatever is going on in the day. And I'm not talking about this newspaper theology that the doom and gloomers, last days madness people talk about. He brings you to the law. He brings you to the gospel and applies it to whatever's going on that he's speaking about. Like nobody I've ever heard. I, really, I say that honestly, not just because we work together. I thought that, and I said that even before I met him. Okay, so that goes live at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you go right above that, you can subscribe to our newsletter. We don't rent your email. We don't 
sell it. Uh, we don't spam it. You get one email from us a day. It contains all the articles that we put up at sonsoflibertymedia.com, including the morning show archive. So this show will be archived again this morning. You'll get the video portion of the show. That's right. You see the face that's made for radio here. And then you get the podcast. You get all the website links if you want to check out things further for yourself. And hopefully we're going to have some UK friends on today uh, because this is specifically going to apply to you guys in London if you're listening. And I know we get some people in from the UK, from the Netherlands, from all over the place, and we appreciate you friends uh, quite quite a bit. Now, we do have needs. We let you know that we don't have our hand out for money. We're going to do what we're doing and trust the Lord for that. But if you agree with our message and you would like to support the Sons of Liberty, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. There is a donate button. You can make a donation if you want to do that. Also, you can partner with us as a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at the top of the page. And we have a store. We have products that are good conversation starters, whether they're a T-shirt, a hat, a water bottle, a, um, a coffee mug, or any of that kind of stuff. And then we have equipping tools as well, uh, books and videos and DVDs, things of that nature. And uh, you can also support us by clicking on the store icon there and picking up some products, maybe something as a gift, and that supports the Sons of Liberty as well. And we appreciate that very much. Now, with that said, we had Tony Roman on yesterday, right? And and, uh, Carol Ann says he was awesome. He was. Anybody, and I'll put that up in this archive since I'm since I'm mentioning it. Okay, I don't think I have had a more pumped up, um, liberty inspiring, besides Bradley Dean. Okay, <laughs> interview than Tony Roman. I mean that. I, I just I'm surprised it didn't just go completely off the charts with people. But I understand big tech's trying to shut him down, just like they're trying to shut us down. So if you get a chance to share that, I don't care if you have to re-upload it and everything. You know, we we tell you to use our stuff, put it out there. Do that. People need to hear Tony's message to stand against tyranny. And when, uh, you know, I was talking to him off air after the show yesterday, I told him we're going to have the gentleman we're, we're, I'm about to bring on. And he says, will you tell him from California we completely support him because he does not like Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London. Now, with that said, let me give a pro- proper introduction to our guest here. David um, Curtin is the leader of the Heritage Party, a political party in the UK which stands for free speech and liberty, traditional family values, national sovereignty, and defending our culture and heritage against extreme political correctness and, quote, woke ideology. He has been a London Assembly member since 2016, is standing in the years in this year's London mayor and assembly election. He hopes to replace Sadiq Khan as London mayor in the election on the 6th of May this year. Before entering politics, David was a chemistry teacher. Oh, I got some stories to tell you about chemistry class. <laughs> and he taught in high schools in the UK, Botswana, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and the USA, along with Bermuda. You can find him at heritageparty.org and uh, davidcurtain.net. And with that said, I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, David Curtin. Good morning, brother. Hey, good morning, Tim. Great to be here. Yeah. Now, I got to tell you, guys, look, look at that face. That smile is contagious, David. As soon as you came on this morning, I wanted to smile. Uh, so we appreciate you being with us and uh, and taking out of your, your busy day 
And of course, for you, it's uh, late morning there, and uh, it's it's early morning here. But one of the things, you know, Kate said, you got to get this guy on. He's running against City Con. I said, well, I'll, I'll bring on pretty much anybody running against City Con. Um, but uh, but I but there are some things I want to ask you as we get into as we get into the interview here. Um, what what is the issue with you? Do you want to tell people a little bit about your story? Because I, I mentioned chemistry teacher, and boy, mm. you've taught all over the place. What is uh, w- w- help people understand a little bit about you? Yeah, great. Well, um, thanks for having me on. It's great to sure. be here, and I loved your interview, uh, your introduction, actually, where you you know you put uh, honor to Jesus and the gospel first, yes. and that's yes. fantastic on on Good Friday. You know, we, we 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 don't have enough of that in the UK. I know um, to some extent the USA, you've got far more of a a Christian culture, and we did have in the UK, but it's been completely decimated over five decades of what I call cultural Marxism or political correctness, which is totally tried to undermine everything that was there before to set the ground for um, a, a new sort of um, you know, dire um, you know, culture w- which has a dearth of, of, of anything good that we had before. Um, so, you know, as you said, I was a chemistry teacher for uh, many, many years, just happily minding my own business, uh, enjoying uh, teaching and, and using my job to go travel around the world. So I taught in some other countries as well as, as the UK. And I've been based in London for 30 years. So I've been in and out of London sort of with, with my, my job and career. But um, I decided to get actively involved in politics is about 10 years ago, actually, because um, one, I was concerned with the European Union and uh, what that was doing and how that was taking power away from the people uh, in the country and just setting up these globalist systems which are against democracy, against freedom. And I was also very, very concerned about political correctness and the suffocating effects that was having on our culture. So I joined a party that was called UKIP um, as about 10 years ago now, nine or 10 years ago, um, big, to, to fight for those things and uh, especially to fight for the referendum uh, that we had in the UK in six years and five years ago now in 2016, where people voted to leave the European Union. So I'm very proud that I was involved uh, in that campaign. Uh, but since then, you know, I, I left that party because it's sort of gone into a bit of a decline after the referendum. And I set up a new party, which is called called the Heritage Party. And the purpose of the Heritage Party is to try to reestablish our culture, our heritage again, because it's been uh, decimated, as I've said. We want to reestablish that and fight for it uh, because it's a good thing. I mean, our our country, the United Kingdom, is so often run down by politicians of both main parties, the mainstream media and people in the institutions. We, We say no to that. Uh, our country is founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Those principles are good. It, things like traditional family values, um, things like uh, self-sufficiency in skills, you know, having a good work ethic where you uh, can look after yourself and stand on your own two feet. And the political sphere should be creating the conditions for that to happen rather than creating the sort of dependency culture that we s- seem to have gr- has grown up as 
um, all the major parties um, swing towards uh, socialism and socialistic policies, uh, which are against liberty. So, so where for that, as well as defending our, our culture and heritage directly, because over the summer, um, I, I know there was a, you know, the great... Um, turmoil in the United States after the the killing of, of George Floyd uh, and, and all the things that came off the back of that. But you had in the UK um, these BLM protests, which I think used it to try to create division between people of, of different skin colours and, and also to attack our culture and heritage. You know, And in the centre of London, there's Parliament Square, uh, which is outside uh, the Houses of Parliament, which of course everybody around the world knows what they look like uh, with Big Ben and so on. But there's a statue of Winston Churchill that has pride of place uh, in Parliament Square. It's the nearest statue to the Parliament building itself. And that was repeatedly vandalised by Marxist thugs again and again and again over the summer at these BLM demonstrations and so on, which were nothing about uh, actually you know, Black Lives Matter all lives matter actually but it was about trying to um, undermine our culture and accuse the country of being systemically racist and and when it's not and when actually it's a, it's a fantastic country with equal opportunities for everybody um, and so you know we've got to see an end to the trashing of our of our statues our monuments our heritage and and that is actually um, uh, encouraged by many, many people in the major political parties, in the educational institutions and establishment, in the mainstream media, who, who actually the, this sort of liberal progressive elite that's got into the positions of power and would actually probably like to see our country uh, disappear and, and get dissolved into some globalist system, whether it's uh, the EU or the UN or the, the World Health Organization or, or, or whatever systems they have. So, so the Heritage Party exists for that, um, to, to act against that and to just basically stand up for common sense and for the good things that have been built into our nations for, for generations from our forefathers. We want to re-establish them, restore them, preserve them, and pass them on to uh, our children and the generations to come, rather than see it being torn down. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, I got to tell you, if you want to reestablish something that your forefathers uh, set up, and, and if you win as mayor of London, I'd love somebody to push sort of the Oliver Crom- Cromwell kind of scenario. I'd like to see the people of London, the good men of London, the good men, to be not um, uh, made into criminals and well-armed. Uh, that's me. I, I, I'd like to see them well-armed to where they can be useful in the execution of law, not where they can be vigilantes, but where they're not made to be victims anymore. You know, I talked with some guys in the mm. English Defense League years ago, and I know there's some infiltration there. I get it. But I think in large measure, there were a lot of good men who wanted to do exactly what you're talking about. They wanted to preserve the culture. They wanted to preserve the heritage. They didn't want foreigners coming in and change. They didn't mind. I don't think they minded foreigners coming in as long as they assimilated into the culture. And uh, and they embraced that. They wanted to be those who were British. Uh, they didn't want to. They didn't want to uh, them bringing in their culture. They wanted to. 
uh, they wanted them to embrace that. And so I'd like to see uh, a push there in London to restore those liberties back to the people again. That's that's just one of many things. But <clears throat> let's talk about a couple of things here because, you know, David, I'm going down through here and I'll just show people. This is from the Heritage uh, Party.org. This is their website. It's a manifesto for social conservatism, um, which I'm glad to see that you use the term social conservatism there because, you know, in the, in the United States, they'll talk about, well, we don't want to talk about abortion. We don't want to talk about um, the issue of marriage except to redefine it into something that's really perverted and twisted, uh, unlike what God had ordained from the beginning. And you use the term natural marriage, which is good, that what is natural Man fits with woman. I'm not going to get into that. Everybody who's an adult figures that out. You know that, right? They fit together. Two men don't fit together. Two women don't fit together. They just don't. And that is the natural man. You use some of these terms. You use terms like um, what you said a minute ago, uh, traditional family values. Now, politicians in the United States use traditional family values, our shared values, blah, 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 blah. And I used to, the show that I did before Sons of Liberty, it was Setting Brush Fires, I would always say um, our, our values, are, our American values are biblical values. They come from the Bible. It, they come from our Creator as to what He has established as valuable. Now, I go down through here, and I see some things that, um, like what you just said, protecting our culture and heritage. I think I understand what that is, Okay. Um, you guys have an abolition of slavery, William Wilberforce, um, the, the system of common law, um, and uh, innovations in science technology. I have no problem with any of those things. Uh, liberty and free speech. Yeah, I think that we, we have a liberty, the authority, or the right to speak what is true. We don't have the right to speak that which is false, because then that, that's not a violation of free speech. That's a violation of, uh, of, of law. We... Uh, violate the commandments of God when he says we're not to bear false witness against our neighbor. So those things are there. Then you speak of traditional family values, and people can see that. Institutions of marriage and the natural family. Um, the union between one man and one woman. How, how do you like that, guys? I think that's a, that's a good, strong statement, um, that that's what it is. National sovereignty. I think those things are good. You know, the Bible speaks of the kings of the earth coming into the kingdom and uh, bringing their glory. It's God's given them that uh, that ability to do so into the kingdom. And so I do think there is a distinction of nations and kingdoms. I, I, I totally believe that. Low immigration. You're not uh, you're obviously not against immigration, um, but you 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 are very careful about that so that you don't have other cultures coming in and just overturning the culture that's there. The one that concern, concerns me, let's, let's just start off with this one. This would probably be the, maybe one of the more difficult things that I'm going to ask you. Uh, it says, The beauty of our physical uh, environment is a part of our heritage, is a duty to look after it and preserve it for future generations. What does this entail, David? Yeah, um, I, I think maybe what you're concerned about there is is jumping on the, the what's called the green agenda, the yes. agenda 2030, the 17 sustainable development goals. And I'm completely against those. And actually, if you look in the section on national sovereignty, those are things which are um, inimical to, to national sovereignty. They work against it. So we certainly don't want to sign up to any kind of globalist schemes. But the problem with these kind of um, the sort of green climate alarmism 
reason, although that's absolutely false, and I'm not a climate alarmist at all. Um, you know, I'm not against the use of fossil fuels. And I certainly think that going over to what they call sustainable energy and putting solar panels on uh, lots of prime agricultural land and building wind turbines everywhere, which don't generate much electricity, is is an utterly false paradigm. It isn't going to solve anything. Amen. There isn't a problem there to solve. The problem with that is that um, it actually then means that uh, they've hijacked any kind of um, political position which wants to look after our environment and preserve the beauty of our physical spaces. You know, there, there's so much ancient woodland and beautiful um, historical countryside sites of interest and and, uh, and meaning in the United Kingdom. I don't want to see them ruined and destroyed for development. I don't want to see farmland being turned into horrible arrays of solar panels and stuff. So so when I talk about preserving our environment, I, I don't want um, our environment to be uh, built on and developed into smart cities and and in these you know horrible uh, things coming through the UN's uh, seventeen sustainable development goals. Okay, good. I, and I saw that stuff in there, but I figured this is one of the things that people will read across and they'll go, okay, per, the the environment thing that that's like a trigger word for people. So, I, and it is in the manifesto here that you're against that green ideology. I um. Mm-hmm. You know, we looked at the uh, wind power for uh, 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 a well that we have here because I live in rural South Carolina. We looked at solar power. I'm all fine with people looking for, for other means for those kinds of things. But what the problem that I have is when it's forced on people, when it's used as a taxation issue, when they, they take fraudulent science and they push that on the people. And that sounds exactly like what you are. People are free to choose if they want to do it, but don't push – you know, don't shovel something on onto me and say this is good soil when you smell it and you know exactly what it is. Uh, that seems to me to be what your what your stand is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people find new technologies and they innovate new things and they can uh, provide energy uh, cheaply and efficiently uh, on the free market, fantastic. But I certainly don't agree with huge billion pound, multi-billion pound government subsidies for uh, these so-called green energy sources that don't provide much energy whatsoever and would completely fail and fall down if they were subject to the free market. That's absolutely wrong. Um, so, so that's our position on uh, actually we, we want to preserve the environment. We want to take back um, actually, you know, look, looking after the environment from the destructive green movement, which is actually not very green at all. Okay. All right. Now that gets, that deals with that particular issue. Um, and, and with that said, right after that, you're dealing with self-sufficiency and skills. Now on Wednesdays on the Sons of Liberty radio, we have, uh, our common core diva. That's what we call her, uh, Lynn Taylor. She's always exposing where the government is usurping its authority to quote unquote, grab the reins to educate our children. And now the education has flourished into all this other stuff where they're trying to control us as adults. I mean, cradle to grave, quote unquote, education is basically a communistic approach to make us a bunch of little widgets in the uh, in the gears of every, you know, the big movement of big government is what it is, fascist government, corporations and government. And you've got in here, 
Education in the UK uh, has been run down and dumbed down. It needs a complete overhaul to tackle the red blob of Marxist activities which currently control it. Can you tell people what you mean about that? Yeah, I mean, starting in the new in the 1960s, you had the new left, um, which had a deliberate plan to get into the universities and get into positions of authority in in certain uh, academic departments and change what was being taught from you know actually fact-based education into uh, ideological, left-wing ideological education. And um, that's moved on from the social sciences and humanities now, actually even to science itself, as which has been sort of um, usurped by climate uh, ideology and so on. And in the schools, uh, the schools have been dumbed down so much. I mean, you, you, we used to, in this country, have um, a system where You'd have grammar schools. So the people who were um, adept at academic uh, studies and would benefit from an academic education went to grammar schools. Uh, other students went to secondary modern schools and, and there were technical schools and they learned technical things. They learned they left school a bit earlier and then they went and did apprenticeships and would learn a trade. Uh, perhaps from the age of 15 or 16. But that's been completely swept away. And what happens now is that most kids in uh, the UK go into comprehensive, one-size-fits-all schools where everybody is funneled into the same kind of courses, which are are not high-level academically. I mean, you do have some some schools that still do that, but you know the the technical training and apprenticeships uh, that were fantastic for working class kids and so on um, from from working class families uh, would set them up with a trade which they could do for life and provide them an income for life has largely been wiped away and 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 destroyed and decimated by the changes in education over the last fifty or so years. I mean, so what I think we need to do is go back to a system where you have academic schools for those who are academically talented, technical schools for those who benefit from technical training and learn a trade, learn you know how to be an electrician, a gas fitter, a plumber, a carpenter, a builder, and so on from a much earlier age. And then you have general schools for people who, who would just you know need to learn the basic sort of social skills and employability to go and find a job and then leave school when they can, get themselves a job, an entry-level job, and, and, and still be able to uh, look after themselves and stand on their own two feet uh, rather than sort of this so you know the education in some of the subjects we have today it's, it's all about teaching kids you know this country is bad you know the, the traditional marriage is is um is bad you know there's all the all different family types are equal and so on and uh, it, it's infused with climate uh, ideology uh, you've got uh, in the last year all the schools have gone you know crazy for teaching stuff about blm and saying that we're all systematically racist and all this kind of thing is going into the schools and and it's absolutely wrong I mean, we need schools to instill a pride in our nation once again and teach kids actually the facts about british history so people have got a connection with their history their forefathers and their roots which has completely gone out of education as well well i on that last part i can i can definitely agree uh there's there's something though that you know i hold to david and i think the bible teaches us deuteronomy 6 says that 
that the parents are the ones to have God's command in their hearts, and they're to teach them diligently to their children. When they're mm-hmm. rising up, when they're laying down, when they're walking in the way, all, you know, it's basically all day. When, when, they're, when they're interacting with their kids, they're to teach these things. And so I, I believe the biblical position is that parents, God gave children to parents, not the state. And so, you know, we talk about schools, and I get what you're saying there. I think there should be a thing of real, um, you know, truth and things of, of, of this kind of nature. But I see, you mentioned the tearing down of statues, BLM and all this other. I, you know, it's amazing to me here in the States. I'm a good Southern boy here. And so it really angers me when I see the people attacking, say, the Confederate soldiers, Rod, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, uh, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrester, and all these, they, they attack them as somehow racist and this, that, and the other. Nothing could be further from the truth. And yet these people will embrace somebody like Abraham Lincoln. They'll set up an idol. I mean, you want to see the idol, America. <clears throat> Go to the Lincoln Memorial with his fasces on the, um, on, the, on the things where his hands are, on his throne there. Come and bow before Lincoln, the, the guy who usurped the Constitution. And that's what we're being told is good. We're told these kinds of things. But parents who actually get into history and understand those things, David, they're the ones to impart that. So, you know, I really have a problem with the state in any capacity being involved in education. And the reason why is the state's always going to end up siding with the state. It's always going to push its version of history. Now, I understand what you're saying about we want real history, and I want that too. But do you, when you talk about, you, you speak about free markets in here, in your manifesto, what's the issue, where is the fr- real free market in education in, say, London or England at large? Yeah, I mean, I would I'd certainly and completely agree with you that parents are the primary educators of their children. And that's something that we do state in the manifesto in a, in a different place, um, particularly at the moment. What the government's trying to do is impose uh, a new subject into all schools called relationships and sex education, which is to be LGBT inclusive for all children. And uh, it can be taught right down to four or five year old kids. So they're they're taking away parents rights to teach children their own values, particularly if they have faith and family values, which I've stood against from the very beginning um, when this was proposed back in 2017. Um, I think you know, when you talk about schools and so on, uh, we do have a different culture and, and it's developed in different ways in the United States and the United Kingdom. I mean, what I would say going back in history is the first schools were started up by the churches. Um, yep. you, know, you had Sunday schools and so on, which were, were mainly for, you know, kids who were working in the fields all day. But then, you know, they would go and learn how to read and write on a Sunday. And, you know, these are fantastic things that the churches did. And uh, it's developed over time. But, you know, it was a sort of the beginning of the 20th century uh, and so on. I think it became mass education where, you know, everybody started going to uh, schools that, and the state took much more of an active role uh, in, in education. That's something that goes back 100 years or more. And so it, it's going to be very very difficult to completely change that around and and you know go go to a culture where you know you might have kids staying at home with their parents and you know parents teaching them and home educating i'm all for 
home education, homeschooling. I think it's fantastic. Uh, and parents that can do it, um, you know, I totally support them and and I salute them because, you know, you, you tend to find children that do have home education uh, are far more happy and healthy and balanced and well-educated in, in many cases than, than kids that go to uh, some of the state schools that we've got. But Amen. but I do realise that for many people in London, you know, who who we're in a situation where, you know, both parents have to work every day. Uh, there's a lot of family breakdown. I don't think those are good things. I mean, certainly not. They, they shouldn't be family breakdown. We shouldn't have a culture uh, and a society where both parents have to go out to work just to pay the rent on a you know, two bedroom flat in a, on a council estate or something but but that's the reality uh for a lot of people in london at the moment so you know they 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 have to send their kids to school you know just to survive um so that that's people's reality so i wouldn't blame uh, any parents for that but you know obviously what you're saying um would be fantastic if everybody could uh home educate their kids and um we certainly don't want to bring in some of the systems that other parties are talking about which is having registration and checks uh for parents who are doing yeah it's none it's none of their business is it it's none of their businesses i didn't mean to cut you Mm. off it's none of their business what the what the parents are are teaching their kids there yeah absolutely um and 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 i think some of these new subjects that are, are going into schools there's there's basically three three subjects which are not um examines as i said there's relationships and sex education there's another subject called citizenship and there's another subject which is called personal health and social education and the state is using these subjects to try to indoctrinate uh, kids with all of the ideologies that the state wants them to uh, take on board and be indoctrinated with so it is a problem because you know a a lot of people think well you you know I, i went to school it was 30 years ago or more and you know i i did maths i did science chemistry physics history geography i did the subjects you know i wasn't subject to a lot of the indoctrination that's come in but over the last 30 years or so people would probably be shocked now to see you know quite how much um left-wing cultural marxist indoctrination there is of children in schools and uh, parents need to be aware of this and parents need to have the right to take their kids out of those uh, new kind of subjects which are actively trying to uh, break the transmission of values between parents and children it's absolutely wrong amen well i i yeah and i i appreciate you you saying that uh, one of the things that you know i point people back to there's a great little book called on secular education, I'll put the link up in the the archives again today, but there was a pastor down in Mississippi, a Presbyterian pastor, and he warned back in the 1850s that the North was going to push its public education system on the South. He believed there were people who wanted to learn, and they were free to learn. Uh, they could learn reading, writing, arithmetic on their own. They had... Uh, you know, the families came together and did it. You know, that's one of the things that I'm I really stand against is why am I paying for everybody else's kid to be ed, to be indoctrinated? They're not educated here. They're indoctrinated. Uh, and then I have to turn around and pay for books and everything else to, to teach my own kids. That seems to not be one, a free market issue. And it definitely seems to be an issue to where the state is trying to control everybody through the fruits of my labor and, and other people's labor as well. Now, <clears throat> this leads to. 
something else, and we're going to get into some stuff here, because you talked about the change of the culture. You guys stand on a low immigration, and I'm understanding that you're not anti-immigration because you obviously want some immig- you you allow for immigration. And the Bible tells us that we're not to oppress the, the foreigner. We're, we're to give the same law to them as we are to have to ourselves, all of these kinds of things. Why, why is this a big issue there in London? Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, it's a huge issue in London. I mean, London has got, undergone a, a, a demographic change in the last 20 years, which is unprecedented. I mean, when I um, moved to London, it was in the 90s, you know, the year 2000, let's take that as a starting point. There were 7 million people in London. Um, 2020, there are 9 million people in London. So its population's gone up by 2 million. And it's almost all entirely due to immigration. It's not, you know, British families getting bigger in fact you know the the uk population the indigenous population is is getting smaller um so so london has changed from being a city where you know white british people were a majority and and now white british people are a a very definite minority uh, in the capital city of, of the uk so there's been a huge change and you know i'm not against immigration as you say but where i i would put this together it goes hand in hand with being self-sufficient in skills because what we should be doing is training our own young kids, young people and children uh, to have the skills they need to survive and thrive in our own country. So we need to be training enough nurses, enough doctors, enough plumbers, uh, electricians and builders and so on to do uh, the jobs that need to be done. But because education has been so run down, we haven't been teaching the young children and and young people uh, all the skills they need to do the jobs that need to be done. So uh, we've relied uh, on mass immigration of people to come into the country and uh, do the jobs that we haven't been training our own kids to do. So, you know, we've had a lot of plumbers come in from Poland, for example. We've got um, nurses coming from the Philippines. We've uh, got doctors coming from Malawi and Nepal. Now, I've got nothing against anybody who is skilled and coming into the country to work. You know, they are doing that for it's it's mutually beneficial for them and for the country because well, we're in the situation where we we've neglected to chain, train our own children um but what i think is wrong the, the, you can't sustain this um it's been the wrong policy uh first of all under tony blair and then brown cameron may and now johnson they're, they're all perpetuating mass rapid unsustainable immigration uh, but still not training enough nurses and doctors for example um which is is wrong for us and it's wrong for other countries because it's not right for us to be going and all around the world and trying to take skilled trained not nurses doctors and other people from other countries who need them because we haven't trained enough of our own people um, so we need to get back into balance where we we are self-sufficient in skills and then we can have lower immigration. But, but for London, it's been, been particularly uh, an issue because it hasn't just been 
skilled people coming in. I mean, basically, there's been no controls on the border uh, in many places at all. And we're still seeing every day now a um, 100 or more people traveling in dinghies across the English Channel from France, landing uh, illegally, but they're you know put straight into hotels and are often fast-tracked through the asylum system and uh, given housing and given benefits and so on. And uh, a lot of them go to London, a lot of them go to the satellite towns around London, and uh, that swelled London's population unnaturally. Um, and a lot of the people who are coming have not integrated well into London um you know there's there's still a lot of people that don't speak good English uh there and uh do get uh however uh, a nice house from the local council and uh and and these kind of things are things that I think a lot of people don't think is is fair to Londoners and um we've also got the situation where there have been some people coming over who are criminal in intent. I mean, after the uh, wars in Syria and so on, we have jihadis coming over from the Middle East, from Syria. We, we, we know that there are at least 500 uh, returning jihadis from ISIS roaming around uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, we don't quite know where they are and what they're doing, but uh, it, it's known that they're here. And this is a very, very big worry for uh, safety, security and crime. And if they're just the ones we know about, there will be others as well that we don't know about, too. So we need to get a grip on immigration. Um, Nothing wrong with people coming over if they want to contribute to the country, if they love our country, they love our, our flag and our culture. But what I don't agree with is people coming over who don't want to contribute at all and to continue uh, mass rapid immigration when we're not training enough of our own young people to do the jobs that need to be done. Well, I agree with that. And, you know, when we talk about this apprenticeship, we talk about jobs, we talk about, you know, skills and stuff like this. You know, I think back to a time where, again, I don't think that's government's job to provide that education, to funnel money into those things, uh, because the fact of the matter is, you know, what used to happen was mom and dad used to teach um, uh, whatever skills. If they were farmers, they farmed. If they ran stores, they ran stores. And the kids grew up learning those those skills, if you want to call them that, at the time. And so they developed those things naturally. And if they wanted to learn something, they put themselves under a, an apprenticeship. They would mm. provide even maybe their, their services to that, that person who's, who's training them, who's teaching them. Uh, maybe for free, maybe they you know got lunch or something like that, but they were providing their services in order to learn something from that person. It had nothing to do with government. It, it would sound like um, uh, that it was it was a real free market in the area of education. And uh, so you know I'm just I'm one of those guys that say government has no business in that. You know, you bring in the issue of the, the people coming in. As the mayor of London, would you put a stop to all these immigrants who are coming in who are being given housing at the expense of your fellow Londoners, uh, hotels being put up at the expense of your fellow Londoners, whether they're good, whether they're jihadis, whether they have criminal intent or whatever they are? Would you, would you be very open about saying, no, we're not spending money on that. That's theft. God says you shall not steal and, uh, and stand up for the people in that arena? What I would do, I, I would be very outspoken against it, and I have been. I don't. I don't think it's the right system. Unfortunately, 
the mayor of London has certain political powers and the power to stop immigration is with Parliament in Westminster. So they're the ones that control uh, the border force and so on. And it's the local councils that uh, control the housing policy and uh, you know what, what, um, who gets a house in, in the local boroughs. Unfortunately, the mayor doesn't have uh, power over that area. Um, the, the mayor of London mainly has power over police and crime and uh, transport in London and a little bit to do with uh, adult education. Um, but I certainly would speak out against it and be calling uh, on the government to to put a stop to it. And uh, and, and in the area of business, the, the small amount of power power the mayor has over business, I'd certainly be looking to train more British people rather than sort of using money to um, provide, for example, English courses for people who've come into the country illegally. I think that's a, a really the wrong use uh, of state money. Um, though I do what I can, but it, it, there's a very um, distinct separation of powers there in London. So I can't promise to do that, but I would certainly be the only candidate, I think, in, in the London mayor election that would be uh, looking to reduce immigration and, and calling for it. OK, just a quick clarification, though. If you're wanting to go back to common law, uh, which mm. is what your, your your site talks about, the manifesto, uh, common law would not allow for people's money to be taken and fund the livelihood, uh, the the put up of of immigrants who are coming in. No matter, I mean, if you're over crime and stuff, that would be theft. I mean, it would be. That's that's what that would be. I, I don't see it as anything really complicated here, and I'm glad you would speak out on it. But it looks to me like you could have some real force in that to say, wait a minute, this is a crime. We're stealing money from from our fellow Londoners to put up people who are coming to our country because you guys made up something that's a pretended law. It's not real law because you're in violation of God's law. You're in violation of common law. And 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 really lay out that, that kind of um, um, perspective so that people get exactly what's going on. I think there's a lot of Londoners who do get what's going on, and they're ticked off about it. And I think you could be a guy who can not only speak out on it, maybe you can make some inroads in there to say, wait a minute, this is against our, this is really against our law. And we have the same thing, David, here. People put stuff up and they, they call it law. It's pretended law. They have no authority to do it. And they, and it's in violation of God's law above all things. And so I think you could probably speak to that. Um, let me ask you something. We're, we're, at, we're, a little under 10 minutes here to go. I, I don't know. Do you have something you have to do uh, after, at 7 o'clock here? Or no, no, I'm fine. That's, yeah, no, okay. I can carry on talking. Okay, well, what we'll do is we'll hold you over a little bit because there's a couple of other things I want to ask you about here. And this, this immigration thing kind of comes in. You guys are getting hit with a lot of things like we are. And you guys have been in ugh, lockdowns and stuff. As mayor of lock, uh, as mayor of lockdown, <laughs> lockdown London, uh, lockdown London. Yes. Yeah. Would would you would you step forward to remove those kinds of restrictions in the city there? I'll do what I can. Again, these are things that come from Westminster, the Parliament, the what I call the Johnson regime, which has actually put these terrible, repugnant laws and regulations in place. But, you, you know, the mayor is in charge of the police, uh, the Metropolitan Police in London. And I've seen terrible things in London. I've seen peaceful protests, uh, one at which I spoke at on the 19th of September. Kate, you've you had on the show, uh, spoke there too. I've seen columns of riot police going in, attacking 
peaceful protesters who were just simply using their common law right of assembly and freedom of speech. I've seen, you know, and heard of reports of police um, arresting people for sitting in a park, going round to people's houses because they've got someone over for a cup of coffee or they're having a dinner party. These kind of things should not be happening in London or uh, the rest of the UK or anywhere in the world that the police are being used as the foot soldiers of tyranny to basically bring in what I say is medical fascism. And, you know, while the MPs in Westminster should be the ones to reject this, they haven't done that. The mayor of London uh, can do two very, very powerful things. One, I can speak out against it because, you know, you've got almost all of the other mayoral candidates are for lockdowns and, and also saying that, well, we now we've got these uh, experimental uh, injections that people are, are, are being coerced into taking and uh, they're told that oh you have these injections and and get yourself a vaccine passport and that's a way out of it that's completely false and wrong uh, I've been speaking about, about out against that from the very beginning and I'll continue to do that um, what the mayor of London could also do is direct the police to some extent and uh, and direct them not to enforce these kind of repugnant regulations which are going on. So I want to refocus the police on catching real criminals, driving down real crime. They should be out there catching murderers and rapists and grooming gangs and thugs and thieves and vandals. They shouldn't be going around harassing people for opening their gyms or having a cup of coffee with a friend or uh, saying something on the internet that uh, the political powers that be don't like. Uh, so I certainly will be one of the only mayoral candidates that will do that and uh, direct the police to non-enforcement of these lockdown regulations. Okay. All right. Now that I can that I can catch from the being over the the police and crime and that kind of an issue for a mayor. So I guess as mayor, there's some differences of how maybe we we have mayors over here in in the states. But I'm glad to see that you would make the appeal uh, to the people one that it is for their liberty. Uh, government's not mm-hmm. responsible for their health; they're responsible to protect their liberty, and uh, mm-hmm. and that you go after the bad guys. And that kind of ties in. You mentioned some things there with the grooming gangs. That ties in with the immigration, too, because you've got them coming from Asia. You've got them coming from the Middle East over. They're setting up shop. And then they are, um, you know, kidnapping, uh, putting into prostitution, abusing uh, young British girls. And I got to tell you, David, this is why I say, man, the men in, in London and the U.K., the good men of London, they need to be armed. They, they they need to be able to defend their families, their daughters, and things of this nature. And I don't think it's going to be the Wild West. I don't think the Wild West was like they portray in the movies anyway. Uh, everybody had a gun there. There wasn't these all this crazy nonsense. There were, there were criminals. There's no doubt. We've, we've always had that. But the good men need a way to protect themselves. What 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 would happen? Um, you, you're talking about with these grooming gangs. What what kind of situation do you guys have in the UK regarding that kind of thing? I mean, it's an it's an absolutely appalling situation. It's been going on for decades, and it came to light just in the beginning of the last decade. Um, first of all, in Rotherham up in um, South Yorkshire and Rochdale, which is in Greater Manchester, and many many other towns around uh, the country since then. But you know, it's it's very odd, if you like. I would say. You know, they they found grooming gangs in 
Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, Sheffield, Newcastle, Bristol, all the other major cities of England, but not London, um, which is you know almost unbelievable. So why is it that the, the Metropolitan Police in London have not found uh, grooming gangs or hardly any? I mean, I think it's going on on uh, a huge scale in London that would be off the charts compared to what we've seen in um, uh, Rotherham. And that was uh, 15,000 uh, young British girls uh, used and, and put into, uh, you know, basically sexual slavery over uh, a number of decades. Um, I want to be mayor and I want to set up a specific unit for the police to, to deal with this um, because, you know, if it's been found everywhere else, it's surely going on in London. Um as for your other point, you know, about uh, arming uh, the citizens, I, I do think the USA, the UK have got a very different culture and a very different um, sort of uh, the, the, the nature of the country is very, is very different in some ways. You know, with London, it's, uh, you know, lots and lots of people tightly packed into a big city, you know, where the lots of people crowded into a small island and so on. Whereas, you know, you're in South Carolina in the USA, you've got much more of a, it, it's, it's developed in a different way that, you know, you've got the second amendment and it's, um, you know, the right to bear arms as a part of the constitution. It's been in the United States from the beginning. The, the UK has developed in a different way. So I, I don't think, you know, that we have to uh, go down the route of, of arming citizens. But what we've always had uh, or, or had for a, a quite a long time in this country is that that the police are supposed to uh, deal with crime. And, you know, until recently, I think people trusted that the police would deal with crime. And, uh, you know, and, and that was then you, they would do that. And now that's broken down. Um, so I'm personally, I'm not uh, in favour of, of, of um, you know, granting everybody uh, the right to bear arms in the UK because it's it's a different culture to the USA. But I certainly want uh, the Metropolitan Police to be doing their proper job, uh, which is to to catch criminals and arrest them and uh, prosecute them and get them off the streets. Okay. All right. I want to pick up on that on the other side of the, the uh, where we close out the show here, and we're going to have to do that. Uh, we got about um, 40 seconds or so, David. Tell people where they can find out more about you. Yeah, well, um, my, my party, the Heritage Party, you can find out on heritageparty.org. And I've got my own website, davidcurtain.net, which is more specifically about the uh, London election campaign where I'm standing to be uh, mayor and uh, also for the London Assembly, uh, which is what I've been doing for the last five years as well. So have a look at those two, heritageparty.org, davidcurtain.net. Okay. All right, David, we appreciate you taking time, coming on with us and uh, expounding you know, some things that I mean, I've, I'm learning some stuff here today as well. And folks, we're going to carry over the show. We're going to carry David over a little bit because he can hang on a little bit, and we want that contagious smile. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to we're going to throw we're, I'm going to throw some more questions at you here too in just a minute, David. Uh, but you guys, um, eight o'clock in the morning Eastern time, Lord willing, we're going to have Kate Shimarani, uh, Dr. Kevin Corbett, to be on with us as usual on Saturday mornings. The special K, the T2K show. Okay. Don't miss it. If you want to join us, jump on our platform, sonsoflibertymedia.com. See ya. Okay, David, uh, let me close off the phone line. I didn't even give out the number. I, I, I'm i just in such a, um, a, a mode of, 
I want to get to the guest. I even hate having to do all the formalities and stuff at the first, uh, but I want to let people know in case they want to support us and things of that nature. But David, you know, you were talking about that at the at the end, and you you interweaved a couple of things there. You talked about I don't want to you know grant people the right to keep and bear arms. Well, rights are God given. That's not just an American thing. Uh, we have the right to free speech, and the, and the term right just means we have the authority or the liberty to that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I I'm I'm appealing to you as somebody who grew up in a, in a somewhat of a different culture. There's some similarities between English mm-hmm. col- culture and, and U.S. I mean, our founding fathers were from England, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so so there's a lot of similarities that that have come down, and I think that England has been deprived of a lot of that. I mean, what was it, um, twenty, thirty, forty years ago? I forget when it was. You know, England said, oh, we're just going to ban guns. And then, what, 10 years later, they're coming in and they're still finding out, well, there's still all these guns out there. There's tens mm-hmm. of thousands, hundreds of thousands that they don't know anything about. And so it's like it's not like that people don't have it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it's a problem when, when government says, you know, I don't want to grant you that, that liberty that you have uh, from God to defend yourself. And so they're left at the mercy. And, you know, I remember speaking with somebody— young lady. And she said, you know, we have laws and I, I forget where she was. Uh, Sussex, I think is, is the place that she was at. And, uh, she said, you know, if, if somebody breaks in our house, we can have a baseball bat and Mm -hmm. we can hit them in the face if they're coming at us. But if they turn around and we hit them in the back of the head or something, we can get in trouble. And I'm like, how backwards is this? That, that young women, uh, are are made the victim, and they're made the victim. Let's let's be honest. They're made the victim by their government by removing mm-hmm. their rights to defend themselves. Now, um, not every uh, there are places in the United States that's built up lar- largely like uh, London. There are people living on. T- I used to work in the cities. I can't stand the city. I can't, I don't mm-hmm. understand how people you know live where everybody can hear through their walls or you know they're so close like in Miami uh that you could literally reach out of the window and touch the other house and so I just that just I I can't do that um but and so I understand some issues that might be of safety but again this goes back to the responsibility of the person who may use a weapon uh they're to, they're not to be uh, held accountable for having a weapon uh you know to be brought before some court or something like that but uh, they are to be held accountable for how they use that weapon, whether it's in a crime, even if they do it by accident, they hit somebody with it or something. We have that here in the States, too. If we shoot down range to, to take out a bad guy and we accidentally hit somebody else, we can be held accountable for that. Now, of course, most cops aren't held accountable to that, but the, the mm-hmm. average citizen are held accountable and the cops should be held accountable. So I, I just kind of want to pitch that out to you as something to think on, because I don't think it's really the place of government to grant those things there to protect those rights. Mm, yeah, look, I, I, it's it's something that we're talking about, definitely. And, um, you know, I, I do see, you know, in the United States, you've got that. Um, it, it's been there from the very beginning, but it, I do believe that culture develops and, and laws develop in different ways in different countries. And so that's what we've got. And that's the situation in the UK. And, you know, if we suddenly said to everyone, oh, you've got the right to bear arms, I I, I don't know what would happen. You know, I, I would I would worry that, you know, that the wrong people would, would go out and get the weapons and, uh, you know, there would sort of be an increase in crime, you know, and, and that, that certainly wouldn't be any good. So I, I, I think that's why I'm a little bit reticent to agree 
with um you know what works and, and what's the the culture and the the system in the united states and and bringing it over to the united kingdom but i certainly do think that you know people should have the right to to defend themselves maybe not with a gun um but but you know that like you said with a baseball bat and so on and another thing is perhaps pepper spray you know even pepper spray at the moment is illegal uh, for people to have but i think you know for, for women that's crazy uh, defending themselves i mean that would certainly be something that i think we should allow uh, so that they can defend themselves in the case of, of an attack and that would certainly see off um some if not all uh, of, of of sort of the the terrible violent crimes that happen against uh women but also not just women but but boys as well you know i mean two-thirds or more of homicides in the uk are against men and boys mm, yeah. um so it's, if it's if it's against a woman or a girl it tends to get in the news more but the majority are against men and boys so uh for defending yourselves i mean pepper spray i've got no problem with but you know because it's not lethal um but a gun you know it is lethal and and i think that's the the issue that i think most people uh would have in in the uk um because it, it it's developed in a different way uh to the united states yeah, well, I, I, like I say, I'm I'm throwing it out there for something that maybe you want to bring a a, a conversation to because uh, I think all of the studies that's been done, you know, you mentioned I'm 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 concerned that the wrong people get the weapons. The wrong people already have them because they don't care about your laws, and this is what everybody doesn't think about. They do that here, where we have. I'll tell you, David, we could virtually, you know, strip down murder by gun. Uh, by a person with a gun. Let me put it that way. The gun doesn't get up and grow legs and go do its thing. Murder with a with a gun, we could virtually strip that down to basically nothing. And I'm not saying we do away with crime. That's that's just not going to happen. The human heart is evil. It's wicked. It's desperately wicked. Uh, and it's deceptive. Who can know what the Bible tells us? And so that's why we have to bring the gospel to people so that God will take out a heart of stone and, and give it a heart of flesh. But, uh, but I think every study that's been done here in the States, where you get people like Chicago who have tremendous gun control laws, who has the guns? The bad guys. And they commit mm-hmm. crimes with them. And so I, I think this is something that, you know, yeah, it's a cultural thing, but David, you guys used to have this. This has been taken away from the people. Um, I'm just saying it as, as something that, that may needs to be restored. It needs to be refound. And I tell you, I think a lot of this grooming, I think a lot of these Muslim gangs, I think a lot of these you know attacks we've seen on the bridges and stuff with the jihadis, with the knives, those things would be stopped real quick. Now, they, they may still kill someone in the process, but people who are armed, who are trained with their weapons, uh, will, will put a stop to that, uh, the, the gun thing. The violent crime continues to go up even when those things are, are taken away. Um, okay, so let, let's ask something else here. Uh, you've got on your website, equality before the law. Our British system of common law is the best in the world. Um, I, I got to tell you, I got the, 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 it's the, um, what's the word I want to say? It's the practice of it that I've seen problematic, especially mm-hmm. after since I've, I've been watching things with Tommy Robinson, who just goes out to report what is in the news and judges who are supposed to judge according to the law, say, hmm, we need to arrest that guy because he's giving out information he shouldn't. He's just reporting on what's going on there and information people have. So I kind of question some of that. But the system itself in place, probably, you know, we, we point back to some of that as well. All people are considered equal before the law, whether rich or poor, male or female, young or old, or black or white. Now, what is the issue here that 
it's so important that you're bringing this up um, to mm-hmm. to your people on your site. What, what where's the inequality that's happening that you're seeing? Well, I mean, there, there's lots of different inequalities that you've got. I mean, we've got something in the UK now which is called the Equality Act 2010. And and what it does is it says that uh, if you have a protected characteristic, whether that's uh, age or um, uh, sexual orientation or gender reassignment or uh, in race or nationality, um, you, you you should be uh, people who are agents of the state should should attempt to foster good relations with them. Uh, what I mean, it's not directly applicable to uh, criminal law, but what tends to happen sometimes in the courts is that they go easy on people who've got a protected characteristic. So if you're a white man, for example, you're going to get the harshest sentence possible. Um, but if you say, oh, I'm, you know, um, got a protected characteristic that, that might mitigate uh, in my favour, you might get a lower sentence and so on. And we've got this burgeoning concept of what they call hate crime. So if the victim of a crime uh, has a protected characteristic, the perpetrator will get a higher sentence. Um, you know, so, for example, if you murder someone, if a white person murders a white person, they'll get a certain sentence. Um, if, if a white person murders a black person, that will be considered to be a, a hate crime and it will get a higher sentence, a higher tariff. I think that they should all be taken seriously. There should be the same sentencing for murder, where, whoever does it and whoever's the victim, Amen. for example. Um, but, but then that also gets applied in now into what people say. Um, so someone can go and, and can make a complaint. I heard someone saying this. Um, and and it was homophobic or it was racist or it was transphobic and the police will go and investigate it just because someone took offense at what you've said and that's not specifically law in England although um, the police can go and investigate you and drag you through the courts and make your life a misery for a long time but what's happened in the last month in Scotland is that actually they've introduced what's called a hate crime law, where actually you can be prosecuted for things that you say, just what you say, if someone thinks that you are being transphobic or something um, around a dinner table. I mean, and this is absolutely appalling. It's it's an attack on liberty and free speech, you know, that goes to the root of freedom, Um, not, not just, you know, beating around the edges. So we need to roll back on all of these things um, so that we're not chasing people uh, for what they say if someone thinks that they've been offensive to uh, someone with a, a protected characteristic or, or or also, you know, make sure that um, people get the same sentencing, you know, whatever their characteristics, uh, you know, either as the perpetrator or the victim. Well, I totally agree with that. I completely agree with that. And, uh, you know, that's why we point back to the Bible as the authoritative source for what law should be, and what just law should be. Let me put it that way, just law, and also what a just punishment should be. And this leads to some other stuff. You know, if you're in charge of uh, uh, the police and crime and dealing with that kind of thing, um, how do you feel about prisons? Because, you know, in the land of the free home of the brave, and I was saying this with Tony yesterday, we have the largest prison population. And some people think that's a great thing. Oh, just lock the people away. But what they don't get is they are forced to work 
to pay taxes, their property's held hostage, they're threatened at the barrel of a gun to be thrown in the same jail with those guys that they're being forced to work for and pay taxes for to feed, clothe, and house. Now, Again, this is a paradigm even for people in America. Don't get me wrong. I, and I'm not trying to blast London over there for it when America is doing it. I speak out against it all the time. But the Bible gives specific um, judgments that are to be given that are just judgments. In other words, if somebody commits murder, they don't go to jail. They go in the ground. And they do, and it's not done behind a curtain somewhere. The community takes part in it. The Bible says you don't pity that person. And the community takes part in it so that they will learn to fear the Lord, number one, and that they won't do what that person did. It's a demonstration. Hey, crime doesn't pay. It doesn't mm-hmm. keep you up in the jail cell, give you cable TV, three hots and a cot, and uh, in all the gym you can work out along with getting with other criminals to figure out how you can commit other crimes. And so, uh, you know, I don't even know, have you even thought about that as far as whether it is it is a just thing, and I understand it's set in the society, but if we want things to change, we've got to go back to the way God said to do things, and I don't, we've been doing it, and you guys are the same way, we've been doing it in America the same way over and over and over for decades, and it's only gotten worse. We're stealing more money from the people. We're building up the prison industrial complex. That provides for corruption because then they tell the the politicians who are hiring them, hey, you got to meet these quotas. So they have to make up laws. You know, people can be arrested for having a plant, for goodness sake. And and they're put in there longer than people who commit, you know, rape, kidnapping, murder. It's ridiculous, David. And I'm I'm kind of curious, have you have you thought about that? Has anybody brought that to your attention? Because I know oftentimes if we're in a different culture uh, there's sometimes some bit of a herd mentality about certain things. Has anybody brought that to your attention to say, well, is the prison system even just that we're dealing with now, or should we be looking and speaking and starting to to educate the people, challenge the people's thinking about how we're doing things? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a question that people have asked uh, uh, on on some occasions. I mean, prison is a terrible thing. It's uh, no one should be going to prison, um, but it is a punishment for a crime. And you know, um, there's two things I think you you, you mentioned. I mean, one about murder and and capital punishment as a, as a punishment for for murder, uh, you know, or if that happens, or perhaps other violent crimes. But then there's also minor crimes as well. You know, people do. Are, are guilty of something like assault or grievous bodily harm they they certainly should i don't think they should be killed for that but they should be put in prison so you know for that i have no problem with prison whatsoever but as for the case of capital punishment i personally don't agree with it and i think um how it's developed here in in the uk as, as well as other countries in europe as well um I think that, you know, after the the Second World War, when the state, you know, with Hitler's Nazis and so on, actually, um, you know, killed a lot of people uh, because there was the government, the state killing people. I think what was put into place then was um, various conventions on human rights. And and one of those is the right to life. So uh, after that, we um, removed capital punishment as a punishment because of the shock uh, of what had happened in Europe uh, after it got taken over by by fascism, so I think that's that still looms large um, you know, here and in other countries in Europe as well. That we 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 wouldn't want um, the state to have that power, um, and so you know lo- lo- we put people in prison for life. But but often you know what happens is, is someone gets a life sentence 
but it doesn't mean life. You know, they get let out after 10 years or 20 years, or, you know, someone gets a, a 15 year sentence for, you know, being in a grooming gang, for example, or, but then, you know, they get out after seven or eight years for good behavior, uh, which is absolutely appalling. So I think sentencing for a lot of crimes and violent crimes is way, way too lenient. Life in prison should mean life in prison. It doesn't mean that you get paroled after 10 or 15 years and you're back out on the street um, and so on. So I think that is an issue. Uh, and, and that is where to tighten things up in in the UK. Um, personally, I wouldn't go back to capital punishment. OK. All right. Now, then then let's let's break that down so that it's a little bit clearer of what of what I'm saying. Dealing with somebody who commits murder, rape, kidnapping or something like that. You know, the Bible is very clear. That's a capital crime. You lose your life over that. You don't have rights to life at that point. Now, I don't think it's the job of the state to do it. I think it's the job of the people to do it. Um, and, and look, that isn't an American thing. That's a biblical thing. When you go back to the Old Testament, you see that the people are to carry those punishments. That's why I say it's got to be a community. And, it, and people say, oh, Tim, you're just out for blood. No, if you think I want to go out and stone somebody, you're out of your mind. I don't want to do that. I would mm-hmm. rather they repent and not do it. But here's the thing, David, even with assault, let's take that for instance. And I want to I want to try to understand your thinking here, uh, maybe even change it. That That's what I'm, I'm out to do um, is when you have assault, how is it just let's say that um, that that Johnny over here goes and attacks Tommy. OK, and he beats him up. He beats him to a bloody pulp. He he's got uh, he's in the hospital for a week and he's got some expenses that come from that. And maybe he has some kind of a disability as a result of that. How do, how is it just to Tommy that Johnny go to prison for X amount of months or years or whatever the case is, and Tommy is forced to work and pay taxes to keep Johnny up? How is that just? I mean, how, how do we support stuff like that? I mean, what I would say to that, I mean, prison is a punishment, and it's 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 paid, you know, by the government, which which takes taxation in from everybody, you know, in general. And um, you know, I, I do see what you say you're saying about taxation, um, you know, and and uh, paying for for this, you know, but but it's it wouldn't be him personally paying the taxation. It would be uh, you know everybody. In society, paying well, community. Well, hang, hang on, hang on a second. Hang, hang on a second. Mm. It would be him paying personally. He pays taxes, right? Mm. Okay. So I mean, everybody pays them. That's sort of what I'm getting at. The government has not issued justice, and what they've done, David, is they've turned around. They've said, "God, we know better than you. We can handle this. We know you said that in the case of assault." that the person should then go and render to the other person services of some kind to make up for that, to pay for his hospital bills, to uh, even go and and take (coughs) care of him and ensure that he does that. And if the guy is disabled, if he's been completely disabled, as far as I'm concerned, that guy ought to serve, uh, Johnny ought to be serving Tommy the rest of his life, and that ought to be the thing that goes on. He gets to keep his life, but guess what? Because of what you did, there's going to be some justice. You got to serve the guy you did it to. 
And it, we don't think like that. We think, no, we'll let everybody else pay for it so that the, the government can maintain its power and stand off and say, see what we're doing for you people? We're, we're taking care of you. We're, we're keeping the bad guys off the street. Now, we're going we're gonna to tax you, and if you don't pay your taxes, we're going to throw you in there with him. I, to me, David, i got to tell you, and this may be some of the first times you've heard some of this because some people look at me weird, and I'm like, well, this is in the Bible. And if we're going to call ourselves Christians as followers of Christ, Christ always pointed back to the law, always. <coughs> if, you lo- if you love God and you love your neighbor, um, that is what you know, the, the whole of the law is. That's, that's what the table of the law is, loving God and loving your neighbor. Well, who gave the law and then who gave the punishment? It wasn't just men. God gave both. And so I think when we reject what God has said, and, and I know you're— you're a professed Christian, when when we take and we say, God, I know better than you, we're going to do it the prison way, there's all kinds of injustices that take place. It's not justice. It's not, it, it's not just a punishment on Johnny, who did the crime here. It's a punishment on Tommy. It's a punishment on his family. It's a punishment on everybody in the society who's taxed to keep that rascal up. And so that's sort of what I'm saying. I don't think people have, thro- have thought through this as to what's going on. And you know what? I'm thrilled that we can have a conversation without you know, pummeling one another because some people do that. But I like to bring these things up because I don't think some people, whether they're in running for a political office or not, have even considered because we've grown up in a culture that teaches us the bad guys go to prison um, and it doesn't pay when yet it really does. In fact, when they let them out of prison, they give them a certain amount of money to go and uh, you know start their life again. Well, who does that come from? Well, it comes from the taxpayer. So I I I just struggle with that so much, and so that's why when I have guys like you on who are running for an office, I like to ask them about that to get them thinking through, because so many times they haven't. They they've thought, well, this is the way it is. This is what I've been taught, and, and I'm not trying to beat you up on that because I was taught the same thing. But the more we get into the scripture, we see that God laid this out so there is real justice, not a pretended justice, which is really a, a tyranny on the people. Yeah, look, I, I, I see that, that that's a very good point, and it's a very you've made uh, your argument very, very well um, for for a different um, system of justice where you know, someone would then make recompense directly to the victim and. Um, that that may work in some in some cases. I mean, we we have community service, but again, that's not going making recompense directly. It's you know someone is is punished you know, in right. some other way. They have to pick up litter and so on. I mean, the the issue with that is that possibly you know, the victim may not want to you know come into contact with the person uh, who did it again, and and that person is still free to go on living and moving around the society that they're in and they may commit another crime you know if someone has um assaulted someone and you give them a punishment of saying well you're now going to serve the person you're assaulted that may work but it may be um abused because that person may you know go out and and just think oh well this is nice and easy i'll do this for a bit but then go off and assault someone else if they're not taken out of society um you know, so so there's that issue as well, but it's certainly something to to look into. And and you know, you you put something to me that I hadn't considered before. So you know, it's always good to talk about new ideas and uh, and think about them. 
Well, I'm glad for that because, uh, you know, I know that, that there is an issue when people run for office, uh, and I have them on the show, uh, they, you know, claim to be Christian, they claim to be conservative, all this, but they haven't considered this stuff. And so it's like we keep doing the same old thing, hoping for different results. Mm. And I think that uh, that 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 your your direction is a good one. You want justice. You You don't want... Uh, you know, people coming in and taking up the culture. You you want people to learn. You want people. I think a lot of those things are good. It's just how are we going about it uh, when we do things? Now, I want to want to get one more one more topic in here if I can, David. Uh, okay. Hopefully, that gives you something to think about. And maybe you know, we're we're friends now on on Telegram and stuff, so you can call me and and we can have discussions. I'd love to talk with you about it. If you got questions you want to ask, I may not have. I, I'll have an answer. It may not always be the right one, but I always try to drive it back to scripture because. These things aren't new. They're old. They're forgotten. They've been done away with. They've been replaced by Marxist kind of... The very things that you're talking about. The the prison system is Marxist. It's not Christian. It's not biblical in any means. I mean, you don't read that God instituted a prison system. I'm just throwing it out. You, you see that that happens in pagan cultures, but you don't see it in, in there. You either have... If people steal something, they're to restore it. And you're right. Some people wouldn't want somebody who assaulted them, you know, being close to them. This is why I would say, okay, you you take uh, somebody who's in authority or you take some people from the community who who going to take the responsibility there and you have them supervise that person. Maybe they need yard work done. You you supervise that person to make sure they do the yard work, not a community service that benefits government, but that that is a a restoration to the person that they've harmed because government's not the one that's been harmed. This is why I have a problem with people in the state saying that that people pay a debt to society. They don't owe a debt to society. They owe a debt to the person they harmed, and mm. and we forget that. But it makes it makes you know government feel like they're doing something, and the people then feel like they're doing something. So anyway, that's just something for thought. And I'd love to talk with you more. So feel free to call me or any of that, and we'll discuss some of those if you got some questions. Um, the last thing is is this, and I, I want to bring this up because this is a really big one: financial responsibility. Uh, governments easily forget that they do not have their own money, and this goes back to the prison system, the education system, and all what I'm talking about. And I understand from a mayor standpoint. You don't control the the education system or some of these other things. I, I get that. You you made that clear. The money raised from taxation belongs to the people and should be spent wisely, not wastefully or in self interest. I agree with that, and I would recommend to you, David. And I'm going to put it up in the archives if I can remember to do that. A friend of mine here in the states, Matt Trujella, uh, and a lot of this is borrowed from. I want to say he goes back to the Magna Carta in even another document. Um, so this would apply in, in your country as well. That if you are a magistrate, if you are in a position of authority uh, under God, you're the minister of God. And I like, I really like that England uses that term prime minister. Nobody ever asks why that is. But Romans 13 says that he is the minister of God. And so he is to act accordingly to God's law and God's system of justice. And most people don't get that. Uh, so that's a, I, I like that you guys continue to hold that kind of a title. I wish people would ask, Prime Minister of what? <laughs> uh, so that they would figure that out. But this issue of financial responsibility. Now, this comes down to you know, things that we've talked about, some of the subject matter we've talked about. about being, you know, what role does government have in education? I don't, biblically, I don't see that they have it. And I think if people think that out, they don't have that. 
what role do, do they have in immigration? Well, I think there probably is some situations of immigration. There's no question about that, that they can establish some of those things um, and, and, and law that deals with that and some of the other stuff that we've, we've talked about as well. But what about this issue of financial responsibility? As mayor, if you're only in charge of police and crime, let me, let me be clear before I, I ask my question, and you can make it short. What all are the responsibilities of mayor? Is it just being in charge of police and dealing with crime, or are there other aspects of that? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the London mayor has a budget of about £17 billion pounds, um, a year, which is, you know, I suppose that's sort of something like 22, 23 billion US dollars a year. Um, and that is for police and crime, and it's for uh, running the transport network and uh, capital investment in transport, and also running the fire brigade and adult education. So those are the, the main things that the mayor has um, uh, authority over and, and spends a budget on. But, you know, I mean, my, my manifest Festo isn't just written for the London Mayor, it's written for the nation as well. And I think when you look at the national budget, um, we should be balancing the budget and not getting further and further into debt every year. And uh, the government is so wasteful on so many things. I mean, first of all, um, you know, used to spend £10 billion each year for being in the EU. Uh, there's sort of overseas development, they're building this uh, high-speed railway from London to Birmingham that isn't going to do much good and is destroying lots of um, uh, ancient woodland and beautiful places as well, Uh, spending huge amounts of money on offshore wind farms that aren't going to produce much electricity. And over the last year, we've seen masses of wastage on on an unprecedented scale on lockdowns and on uh, building these track and trace systems and bringing in vaccines, which they want to vaccine, vaccinate everybody, and then uh, vaccine passport system afterwards. These are all things that government should not be spending money uh, on and wasting money and getting the country further and further into into debt, which you know, well, I, I doubt that we're ever going to be able to pay off. Um, uh, you know, so so wherever you are. Uh, in government, whether it's in in Westminster or or, or London, or, you know, or, or any country around the world, really. I mean, we certainly shouldn't be spending more money uh, than than we can we take we take in. Well, and that leads to uh, something you have on your site about free market economy, and how can you really have a free market economy when you have the the government being so wasteful with spending and they have all these ideas that should be developed by a free market hey if people want um you know the bullet train running from london to what's the what's the newcastle or whatever (laughs) whatever you want to have if that's a money maker if if it's really a demand then they would build it it's kind of like over here in the states when you get the the um the, the basketball teams or the football teams or whoever, you know, whatever sports event, bread and circus that they throw at the people, most people want to see the event. They don't want to pay for an arena uh, for a team where the players are making millions of dollars, where the owner is making millions of dollars, and then they're charged to park. to I mean, outrageous prices to park. Uh, a hot dog is $6.00. Um, and then they're charged a ticket price too, which can be, you know, whatever, 50, 75, a hundred dollars or whatever. And then they're on top of that, they're paying for the building. They're paying for the infrastructure that goes around that. People don't want that. And I think the same thing's true over there. I think, I, I don't think people are that different. I think if they stop and think about what's going on, 
they're for that. Now, you talk about a free market, and, and I'm going to tie this into this because this is really my last subject I'm bringing up here, um, and it's tied to the financial responsibility. Free market economy provides liberty and prosperity. I agree it does. A real free market, one without government involvement and one without government trying to be monopolizing it, whether it's education or whether it's in some of these areas that you talk about, about you know the the, the transportation or any of this other stuff. Where individuals are rewarded for their endeavors, they have the incentive to work efficiently and avoid poor decisions. You know, the Bible talks about, in Ecclesiastes, whatever we find to do, we do it with our hands, do it with all our might. We're told in the New Testament to always do our work as unto the Lord. And I think this is the thing that ties back to education. Education has become very Marxist. It's we're going to train you for a job. We're going to train you for a skill. We're going to train you for this. We're going to train you for that. It's very Marxist at its core. And the biblical view, the biblical worldview, would be we train people in education as far as reading, writing, and arithmetic. Basic things, if, the, if that's what they want. I, I'm with um, uh, the guy who wrote on secular education. If people want to work, let them work. Let them go and do their work. Leave them alone. Let them work. And if they want to learn, they'll learn. And he pointed out in the North how they forced people into education, forced them into it. You know, the truant laws and all this kind of stuff. They forced them into it, and then when they got out, they they just became they either became criminals or they went to work. It was one or the other, and the education they didn't even use that they were given. So mm-hmm. um, when we have this this free market. Mine is, my view, and I think it's a biblical worldview, is to have the government completely out of the economy. The only time government needs to be dealing in that is to, well, we have it enlisted in our Constitution as to coin money, but to make sure there are just weights and measurements. And I think this has been one of the biggest things, David, that has facilitated so much criminal activity from government uh, sticking its nose into everybody else's business through wars and everything else, is they can go in and they just print money. It devalues the money that people have. It, uh, it, 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 they become organized crime in doing what they're doing. What is it that you're seeing in the free market? Is it truly free, or does it still have a little ties to government? I, I'm just kind of curious. You've got some things here written, so people can you can check it out at uh, mm-hmm. heritageparty.org forward slash manifesto we'll have that link up uh so you can look at uh what david's uh, party is putting here but does it have this tie uh to government other than them making just weights and measurements for the money that's going to be used in that free market yeah i mean in the, the uk it's getting worse and worse i mean particularly this year with covid what we've seen is um the government is now splashing out hundreds of billions of pounds paying for uh vaccines if you like sort of to to these companies like pfizer astrazeneca and moderna and so on that they they've bought uh millions of doses of vaccines for covid you know i, I think that's you know, if people want to have a vaccination, fine, they can get one. But, you know, I, I don't agree with uh, the the massive amount of money they've spent on this thing, this narrative um, that, that is going on this year. You may, may have seen that in some uh, states in, in, in the USA as well. Um, but, uh, you know, as I said before, deciding that they're going to spend taxpayers' money on green energy, that's a huge thing. They're deciding basically... Um, people shouldn't be allowed 
to buy a petrol or diesel car anymore. They've said that from 2030, they're going to ban sales of new petrol and diesel cars because they want everybody to buy electric cars, which I think is massive interference in the free market. As I say, on that issue, if people want to buy an electric car, brilliant, go out and do it. The companies should invest uh, in them and spend their own money. And if they make money, great. If they don't make money, well, they don't make money and the right. company goes bust. But the, the government is interfe- interfering and propping up uh, companies making electric cars with huge subsidies and then saying to people, oh, go and buy them. I mean, this this is interference on, on, a, on an unprecedented scale Amen. and it's absolutely wrong yeah i agree with you you know david uh, some people uh, have made some things and it, i guess maybe it's because we're americans right he said well well he doesn't see that and i'm like you know what we're having a conversation here and david grows up in a different culture than i do and i grew up in a different culture than than some of you in the chat and stuff like that and the thing is the great thing that was I think established and protected is this issue of free speech to where we can come together. We can bring our ideas. We're not bringing, look, I'm, look, I'm a guy. I, I believe in, I believe in the right, the God given right to keep and bear arms, but I'm not going to bring my gun and say, David, you have to believe everything I'm saying to you. And David's not going to bring his baseball bat <laughs> and, uh, and, and tell me that I have to believe it. We're having a conversation here because David is running, and he's not going to represent me in London. He's going to represent those of you who are listening who, who may be in London. The thing is, is men are men, and we come from different backgrounds, but the fact of the matter is we all have the same authority. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. The Word of God is the authority. It is the authority. There's just no, de- there's no debate here. People can try to debate it, but there's no debate. And so we're called, you know, David— and I know you profess to be a Christian, you know, Ephesians 4 tells us that we're called to the unity of the faith, and that's tied around the Word of God. I mean, that is our authority. So if I'm in error, you're to come to me and say, Tim, uh, what you're doing over there is wrong, and here's why the Bible says this, this, and this. And I'm I'm supposed to say, you know what, David, you're right. I repent of that and uh, and ask God's forgiveness and then do the right thing, do what God's called. So when I put these things out, like to you, and I, you're not the first, I, we, we've had other people on, I put it there because I believe that God the Holy Spirit can open the minds of the people as he so chooses to see what he said. And then I know that the people of God, the real people of God, are going to embrace that and say, I'm going to do everything in my power to not only speak on it, but to do what I can to enforce that. And uh, I've heard you say, uh, you know, there's some things that that we've talked about that I disagree with you in, but there's a lot of things that I think you're on the right path on. And, uh, you know, I I wish you well against uh, Sadiq Khan, that's for sure, uh, because I don't think he's good for uh, London at all. Um, This is part of the things that we've had with with Donald Trump here, and some people are going to say, oh, you're bashing Trump. But Trump promised a lot of stuff. He talked a lot of smack. And then he didn't deliver. We still have the criminals in, in politics. And that was one of the big things he was going after. And it's like, why do you have a Joe Biden? Because Donald Trump didn't do his job, Article 2, Section 3. Folks, don't give any, don't give any blame to the Democrats or the rhinos. or any, That's his job as president. And, uh, David, I want to say thank you for coming on, spending extra time with us today. And um, I, ho- I hope we can have some conversation back and forth. I, I, I genuinely think you're a guy that we can have some conversation. We can talk about ideas. 
Um, I'm going to go back to the Bible. That is our that is our foundation as best I can. And and if I need correction, I want you to be you know feel free to say, well, wait a minute, but the Bible says this too. So we want to go back and, and honor our Father. I'm going to give you the last word here. Do you want to tell people about more where they can find out about you? Uh, because May the 6th is coming up, what? I mean, it's going to be here in no time, in a month. And uh, those who hear from London, uh, where they can find out more about you and uh, the things that you believe in. Yeah, thanks, Tim. It's been fantastic to talk to you. And I, I think we do agree on most things like traditional family values and free speech and, and things. Maybe maybe we've got some differences and, you know, right to bear arms, which are different in our, our different countries and so on. But, you know, for, for London, I think what, what the, the main issues in London are making London safe, getting violent crime down, uh, getting rid of the road blockages that we have and opening up the businesses after this terrible lockdown that, that has been in place for a year so you can find out more specifically about my london campaign on my personal website which is davidcurtain.net and you can find out more about the heritage party in uh, particular on heritageparty.org and you can become a member of the heritage party too um for it's 25 pounds uh, for annual membership uh, you can sign up there you can volunteer and you can read our manifesto there on heritageparty.org all right, David Curtin. He's running for the mayor of London against Sadiq Khan. And again, uh, I know, I know. Tony Roman uh, said, "Give him my support." Tony may disagree with you on some things too, but uh, I think he he's like anybody is better than uh, Sadiq Khan. And I don't even like using that term. I want guys that are uh, honorable that they're willing to see what the truth is, what needs to be done, that is lawful, doesn't infringe on liberty. And, uh, you know, I, I can never endorse anybody because I don't think I see anybody that does that completely. And, and maybe I'm a perfectionist in that, and I shouldn't I, – I don't know. I, I think that we, we have representatives, and those people are to represent the people, and they should be so cautious in everything they do from the money that's spent out of whether it's a mayor's office or a governor or what they should be so meticulous and so cautious instead of worrying about getting reelected once they get in office sit down quit having the press conferences and say i'm not going to spend money on this because this is immoral i'm not going to do this because this is immoral i'm not going to do this because i don't care if it's written in the in the in the pretended law this is a moral, and base that on the counsel of God. And so, David, I appreciate you again joining us this morning. Guys, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, the T2K show, the Special K show, <laughs> some people have called it. We're going to be with uh, Kate Shimarani, and I'm assuming Dr. Kevin Corbett will join us. Maybe not. I don't know. She tells me, oh, we're going to have this person on maybe and that person and whatever at different times. So I never know till either Friday night or Saturday morning. Anyway, it's going to be a great show. Share it with your friends because I know a lot of people wonder what happened to Kate. Well, Kate is kind of keeping a low profile due to the fact that they have had arrested her. They were ready to charge her. I still think they're thinking about charging her with domestic terrorism. That carries five years, folks. For speaking at an event, and they're claiming she organized it when she didn't, um, you know, be in prayer for Kate. She's she's a strong woman. She's not going to back down, but she is concerned that they do that. I think that uh, her laying low a little bit is an, a, an issue of wisdom. You, you don't just go out there uh, when 
you, you've got the things. But anyway, I think there's some wisdom in that. She's still got the Sons of Liberty here who support her. You guys support her. And uh, she cares about you people. She really does. Um, that's why she gives of her time to do those things. So with that said, 8 a.m. tomorrow, Eastern Time. We'll see you then.